takes a turn where our mantra is sharing releases shame. So last week was Thanksgiving. We took a week off from recording. I'm going to be doing a mini episode with y'all today. It'll be based on a church talk that I heard over the weekend. Of course, it was about gratitude. It's funny because sometimes when you take a step back away from the church or your religion, you look at things differently and they hit differently. And this talk about gratitude, whereas before when I was, you know, really involved in the church would have been a great little reminder. But this time when I listened, it hit me wrong. It rubbed me the wrong way. So I'm going to get into that and I hope you will join me. Let's do this. So before I get started, let me just say this is strictly my opinion, right? I didn't do a deep dive or anything. I did read some conference talks and some articles on the LDS website. And trigger warning, if you don't like hearing scripture, there are a couple, but it's just to, you know, make a point. So fair warning. <laughs> the talk that was given was based on the story of the 10 lovers. If you're not familiar with that story, it's found in the Bible. And the one that I'm going to be referencing is found in Luke chapter 17. So Jesus is hanging out doing his Jesus thing and he is on his way to Jerusalem and he enters between the border of Samaria and Galilee. So he goes into this village and there are 10 men that have leprosy. If you don't know what leprosy is, it's a skin disease and it's really awful. And there was no cure. And I don't think there's any cure still to this day. So um, they there was a law you had to stand you know, a certain distance away from people if you had leprosy. So they were abiding the law. It says in the scripture that they stood a distance away and they were yelling out to Jesus, you know, hey, <laughs> Jesus, master, have pity on us is what the, I think this is the new version or whatever, not the King James version. And um, so they're like, hey, have pity on us. And they're yelling at him, right, from the other side of the fence or whatever, I imagine. <laughs> and so then, so when he sees them, he's like, go show yourselves to the priest, which I think is funny because I just imagine like Jesus is like, oh, God, okay, go see your priest first, then come to me <laughs> or something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think Jesus talked like a valley girl. So they went away. Now, in the King James Version, it says, and when they, when he saw them, he said unto them, go shoe yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. So in the new translation, it says, when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. At least what, from what I've read, it's kind of unclear if they were cleansed along the way because some people say they were cleansed on the way to go see the priest and some people say they went to the priest they got cleansed and then you know and then they the one came back I don't know if there's like if that's a really important distinction it kind of seems like it is because I don't know I guess Christians we we look at it and think okay either way Jesus was the one right who sent them to the priest either way Jesus is responsible for their cleansing um, but if they went and saw the priest and then got cleansed, I don't, it's like, you know, is he though, 
Anyway, like I said, it may be irrelevant, but just a thought I had while I was um, looking up the story. The point of this and the point of the speaker who was giving this talk was that only one, the story goes, only one leper came back and thanked Jesus. And it says one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. So that's important because Samaritans were like, you gross back then, I guess. Uh, nobody liked them. Jesus asked, we're not all 10 cleansed. So he's asking this guy, right? The Samaritan. We're not all 10 cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has <laughs> no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? That's the new translation. They use the word foreigner. In the King James Version, they use the word stranger. Um, so he's like, only you? stranger came you know and it was almost like when I read it it was like Jesus was a little disgusted that just the worst of the worst lepers right the Samaritan came and gave thanks um where are the other guys the ones that matter so then he said to him rise and go your faith has made you well a couple points to ponder or things that stood out to me about this particular story now that I've taken a step back from my beliefs my Christianity. And on a side note, like I, I like what Jesus stands for. You know, um, he was, he seemed like a good guy. His teachings were all about loving your neighbor and not judging people and, and helping people. And, and I'm down with that. I can totally get behind that. I guess the one thing that kind of bothered me was that last part of the story where this guy is completely grateful and he goes, back and he tells Jesus thank you even though you know like I said did Jesus really save him I don't know we could argue both points maybe maybe not I don't know so the thing is is that the Samaritan comes back and he gives thanks he falls at his feet right and thanks him and Jesus is like "Mm, okay but where are the rest it just seemed a little uh, a little cold to me but as a parent you know, I feel like there are things that I do for my kids that I do not expect any sort of gratitude, really, or thankfulness, simply because I chose to have children. And this was a part of me raising them. I don't expect them to wake up every morning and, you know, tell me, thank you. Thank you for this house every morning, right? Thank you for this house. Thank you for the food. Thank you for driving me to school. Thank you so much for loving me. I- it's, it's too much, you know, and as a parent, I decided to have these kids. So I feel like in a parallel, God created all of us. He created us. And when he, when we're taught in Christianity that we are supposed to, um, give praise to God every day, morning, noon, and night. And every time we have a meal and anytime something good happens, like, it just seems like a lot coming from a parent perspective. Um, I didn't have my children so that they could praise me all day and night, you know. Um, so I feel like there's a parallel there. Again, this is just my opinion, but it just seems like a little overkill for God to expect so much, so many accolades from the billions of of children that he's had that live on this earth and that have lived on this earth. It just, it, it seems like a little bit of overkill. So Putting that out there, 
I also have taught my children that there is, if you do something nice for someone, do it because you want to do it. Don't do it because you might get thanked or you might get recognition. Now, I get it. We all want gratitude and thanks. But as the person that is the giver, that shouldn't be our focus. At least I don't think it should. It shouldn't be our focus. You're going to do something nice. Do it because you want to do something nice. Otherwise, you might get disappointed, right? You might <laughs> you might end up like God and your wrath might be turned toward them. There's a great scripture about God getting angry about us not showing gratitude. And it's in DNC 5921. For non-Mormons, that's a, a a book of scripture we have. Doctrine and Covenants, it's like modern scripture that Joseph Smith received. So it says, and in nothing doth man offend God, right? Offend God. Or against none is his wrath kindled. Save those who confess not his hand in all things and obey not his commandments. So God is a really cool guy, but you just have to remember to acknowledge him in all things. Otherwise, you might get his wrath and you might offend him, which is interesting. And a whole other topic, right, of getting offended and not getting offended. And, you know, because there have been talks given in general conference about not getting offended. But apparently God gets offended, you know, by things that we do. I think there's a little bit of a double standard there, you know, for us to... Uh, be these parents that give, 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 but God gives, but there's, you know, a condition of sorts, it seems. An argument can definitely be made for that, I think. In another scripture in DNC, it says, Thou shalt thank the Lord thy God in all things. We're going back to the talk that I heard this weekend. The speaker was talking about giving thanks to the Lord for everything. So there isn't anything. Any good thing that happens to us, he didn't say bad, right? We kind of leave, as Christians, we kind of leave that out. But we, you know, when something bad happens, we're like, well, it's God's will. It's, you know, thank thank him for our trials because they help us grow. But he, the speaker was saying, you know, there's nothing good that happens that isn't because of the hand of God in our lives. And we have to acknowledge that, you know, again, we're just little peons, <laughs> you know, we're just squirrels in this world. And um, we got to be thankful and grateful for, for anything and everything, even the crap that happens. So my mom, God rest her soul, was a little bit of a manipulator. She, um, she was a master at manipulation and guilt. So let's just be honest. So when I was reading through these talks and things, one of the scriptures that was given was found in Mosiah, which is another Mormon scripture. Um, and and it was Mosiah 2, 21 and 22. And I think it's King Benjamin. And he talks about that if you should serve him who has created you from the beginning and is preserving you from day to day. So he's letting you live, right? And it even says like he's lending you breath, right? That's not your own. Your breath is not your own. Your body's not your own. This is all on loan from, from God. It, since he's doing these things for you that, that you can live and move and do according to what you want even supporting you from one moment to another. So God is like, one moment to another, your life is hanging by a string, basically. But he says, if you should serve him with all your whole souls, you still would be an unprofitable servant. So you still would be a piece of crap, right? <laughs> but do it anyway, because that's how loathsome and, and tiny and insignificant you are. But also, God loves you more than anything, more than you can ever no. And it's just these 
these this double speak that makes it really hard. One thought that I had recently was that the and I've used I've heard this term used by other people, the mental gymnastics that we go through to be a Mormon, you know, maybe even a Christian, but definitely a Mormon and to um just be able to, you know, live a normal life with the contradictions that we hear and it, it's it really is amazing how the the mind can work. Going back to King Benjamin in this scripture, it gives me the, like I said, that manipulation vibe from my mom. I do all these things for you. Um, couldn't you just, you know, fill in the blank? Couldn't you just give me a call once a week? Couldn't you just not fight when we were kids, right? We would fight. I mean, there was five of us. I didn't teach you to be that way. Could you just not, you know, look at me, look what you're doing to me. I don't know. It just gives me those vibes and I don't like it because Mosiah finishes up this scripture at the very end, right? So we're unprofitable souls. We're like servants or whatever. We're so insignificant. And he's like, and all that God requires of you is to keep his commandments. Like that's it. He gives you all these things, your breath from moment to moment. And all he wants is for you to just thank him. Can't you just do that? It kind of reminds me of that song we used to sing in primary. If you're Mormon, you'll know it was like this really sad, solemn tune to a song uh, about sitting still in in church. Like Jesus, basically, it's like Jesus died on the cross. And, you know, can't you just sit still in church and be quiet? <laughs> um, more manipulation. To wrap this up. <laughs> I don't have anything against gratitude. Having an attitude of gratitude can definitely help you change the focus, uh, the energy or whatever. If you're having a bad day or a week, it can help change that negative energy that might be surrounding you into a positive. Focusing on the small, seemingly simple things throughout the day, like the sunrise or good food or having a really great hug, you know, these things are important to our mental health. And I think being grateful for those things is super important. And I'm not downplaying that at all. But I do feel like my gratitude is never enough in the church. It is a constant, uh, I'm just a lowly person and I couldn't possibly, you know, give enough gratitude to God or Jesus for what they give me, the very breath that I have from moment to moment. And to me, that's just... It feels a little bit damaging. It plays into, at least for me, a, a place of I am not enough. <laughs> and that is a big theme and a problem that I had being a member of the church, of the Mormon church. Like so many things, like just about everything in life, you've got to have a balance, right? You have to have a healthy balance between, you know, on one end of the spectrum, like toxic positivity, which helps no one. And then this, I'm so lowly, I'm just a peon, I am nothing, I'm dirt on the ground, um, you know, and I, I have no worth, but God is there, you know, God gives me my breath and I have to give gratitude to him every day and several times a day. I think that there needs to be a balance. I think that we need to find that balance um, between those two extremes. So this reminds me of a story. So I knew this really wonderful lady. 
um, years ago. The story was is that she said, I like to think like, well, if I go to bed at night and I haven't said my prayers and I haven't thanked God for all of the things that he has given me or that I am grateful for that day, I, I imagine I wake up in the next morning and what if I only had the things that I thanked God for? And I just thought at the time I was like, oh, okay, it's a good way to remember to thank God for everything. I don't know how you could do that every night and every morning. Thank God for everything. I mean, you could just say thank you for everything. (laughs) That covers it, right? Are we good? Are we good, God? All right. Because I don't want you to take away anything, (laughs) you know, I want to cover all my bases. But I just thought, oh, my gosh, that is so stressful. Wake up in the morning and you forgot to thank God for your healthy body or the feet or your shoes. or I mean, I don't know. The list could go on, right? Breath. Ah, I can't breathe now. Um, But these are the things sometimes they seem harmless. They seem helpful. But stepping back, maybe not on a surface level, but on some level, they can definitely do damage to the way that we live. So at this point in my life, I've chosen not to say daily prayers. I have chosen not to do family prayer or scripture study. And it's interesting because I didn't realize when I was trying to pray every day, several times a day, and trying to get my kids to pray with me and do scripture study, like I hated it. I hated being the person <laughs> that was like, okay, it's time, interrupting everybody's night, and okay, we got to have family scripture, we got to have family prayer. Like it just was so much of a a downer for me. The ki- the kids hated it, and I mean, I wouldn't say they hated it, but it wasn't fun times. And then not only did we do our own our scripture fan and scripture and prayer, we did individual scripture and prayer. So every night before I would go to bed, I had my regular nighttime routine of brushing my teeth and washing my face and eye cream and, you know, moisturizer and all the things. And it gets kind of monotonous and I hate it sometimes. And I just think, uh, humans are so high maintenance. And, um, but not only that, but I had to do my spiritual preparation, right? Like I had to read my scriptures and then I had to say my prayers and, you know, and you can't do a rote prayer, like say the same things. And now that I've chosen not to do that, like I, I am happy getting into bed without the pressure and the obligation and the guilt and the shame. Like I had all of those feelings before I went to bed. What a way to go to bed, right? And I would be laying there and think, oh crap, I forgot got to say my prayers or read my scriptures. And then it was like, roll out of bed, you know, or if I chose not to, I'm like, I'm too tired. Then I went to bed with that guilt and that shame laying on me like a cozy blanket. I am glad that I am not there anymore. And if I do decide to pray or meditate or whatever, it'll be because it's my choice, not because I am guilted or shamed or, you know, obligated to do so. And I think that is a huge difference. So like I said, gratitude is great. There is definitely a place for that positivity in our lives. But like so many things, I think we can take it to an extreme. After kind of thinking about this talk that I heard this past weekend and and you know, reading some of these scriptures and reading some of these talks, my takeaway is that moderation. And definitely for me, avoid that obligation. I have spent so much of my life feeling obligated to do so many things and it it gets exhausting. Thanks for hanging out. That's it for me. I will catch you next week. Check us out on Instagram at rrouting2021. And if you want to share your thoughts 
about this episode, gratitude, how it fits, doesn't fit in your life, I would love to hear it. Send me an email at rrouting2021 at gmail.com. 